Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. What a great devotion we have for you today, the art of selective hearing. My son has started calling all of us the devotees. I don't know. I don't know if I like that or not. I like MD family. I, I, I think that's what I like. But you, you feel free to vote out there. Marvin, Angie, Kathy, it's good to see you. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope you've had a wonderful work week thus far. Welcome to this Friday edition, this Friday morning, May the 7th, The Art of Selective Hearing. Take a moment. Take a moment and share it with people. And like the page, follow the page. You know the drill. And don't be a lurker. Don't hide out there. Don't be a Facebook stealthy stalker. Yeah. Come on in. Identify yourself. Let us know where you're from, even if it embarrasses you. I mean, even if you're embarrassed where you're from. And I hesitate to name a place. You may be from Podunk and nowhere, but that's okay. You're somewhere. You're somebody here. The Art of Selective Hearing. I'm very thankful for this family. Very thankful for our moms here in the States. We're honoring mothers this weekend, and so we pay tribute to all of our moms. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and we give tribute to our moms. You may have heard the expression, turning a blind eye on a situation. It means to just ignore things. Um, expression came from actually a naval battle in 1801 known as the Battle of Copenhagen. The British fleet had attacked the combined fleets of Denmark, Norway. When several British ships were lost, the Admiral sent an order through the signal flags to that young firebrand, Horatio Nelson. He was signaled discontinue action, withdrawal. And when Nelson's signal men relayed the order to the young admiral pretended not to hear him, and that wasn't unusual for Nelson. He was rather stubborn, aggressive, seemingly impervious to danger. And in a previous battle, he had actually lost sight in his right eye. So when he was questioned why he had ignored the orders, then Nelson could legitimately say, well, I have only one eye. I, I have the right to be blind sometimes. And he lifted the telescope to his sightless eye and said, I didn't see any signals. I don't see any signals now. And I read that story a while back and it just tickled the memory of something that I read many years ago. And I want to share that with you. The importance, the high art, the fine art of selective hearing. It was a lecture given by C.H. Spurgeon to aspiring ministerial students. I reread the lecture and was struck by the timeliness of it all. Because no matter how true it was when it was spoken then, it is even truer in our world. So I want to wade into the scriptures used by Spurgeon to speak of the necessity of turning a deaf ear to certain situations and voices. Ecclesiastes 7.21 said, Do not take heart of everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Or the 38th Psalm. 
Those also who seek my life and they lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction, a planned deception all day, day long. But here's what David said. But like a deaf man, I do not hear. Don't listen too closely, lest you hear your servant curse thee. Like a deaf man, David said, I do not hear. It's the gift. It's the art of selective hearing. Scientists have long observed that people can just tune out certain noise. You can tune out people's voices. You can tune out the sounds of a crowded restaurant to hear a certain person. It's selective hearing. It's a mom who is tuned to the cry of her child. There may be dozens of children on the playground together, but if their child cries out, they can hear that voice. They can tune out all other voices. I believe, hey, MD family, I believe with all of my heart, there's some things we should hear and there's some things that we should choose not to hear. Can I get a witness? Tony, Guerrero, Roy, Trenton, just tune out. You can't stop this noisy world. Well, we're in a noisy, noisy world. I, I have great sympathy for those people called Luddites or uh, the Amish and uh, who drew a line of the sand technology and said, that's it. Everything on this side we accept, everything on the other side we refuse because this world is getting noisy. A cacophony of rattles and squeaks and roars and rumbles and crashes in our world. The decibel level grows ever higher. Uh, as Daniel prophesied, travel and knowledge is increasing in our day. We're seeing the shrinking of the world, the expansion of information. It's not a trend that's going to change any time soon. There is a multitude of voices in the land. It's a noisy, noisy earth. And I believe it will stay that way until it melts with a fervent heat. No matter how people try to stop it, it's going to stay noisy. It's in 1920, a Nebraska inventor designed the first automobile alarm. In 2004, New York's New Yorkers proposed a bill to ban car alarms as a public nuisance. A fourth of all American households say they're bothered by street noise. More and more Americans, 82%, now complain about noisy mobile phone conversations in public. Now people are choosing the speaker option, so you get to hear the both sides of the obnoxious conversation. Hey, hey, here's a funny, here's a funny statistic. 82% find other people's cell phone habits obnoxious. But only 8% of people think that their cell phone habits are obnoxious. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The art of selective hearing. It was George Prochnick, author of In Search of Silence, said, I think we're seeing noise tied to a host of problems of the age that we're living in. We have problems of attention, aggression, insomnia, general stress. He said, noise is the default position as a society. But we have to make an effort to build the passionate case for silence. We've got noise-canceling headphones, noise-canceling earbuds. We craft noise-canceling technologies and spaces in our home. We live in a noisy world. So come on, MD family, get noisy right now. You just need to get noisy and just let Mike, you need to let everybody know, Diana, Yolanda, Joe, you just need to let everybody know you're here. Just get a little noisy because we're living in a noisy world. I guess the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease. So just be noisy 
a bit. But we have to choose, I think. We have to choose what we hear and what we don't hear. And so be careful. Don't listen too closely to others, lest you hear them say something negative about you. You can constantly, and I I believe that's maybe a problem with social media, is we can focus on all the negative things. I think we need to choose to hear. Practice that art of selective hearing. Choose to hear the important. It was Tacitus who described a man hurling accusations against another man. When the man stopped speaking, the one being accused said, you are the Lord of your tongue, but I'm also the master of my ears. You may say what you please, but I will only hear what I choose. I, I believe this is a day of discernment to be careful what we listen to. Practice the art of selective hearing. Like King Jehoshaphat heard 400 false voices, but he said, I'm not hearing that certain sound. We're in the same boat. We're hearing a lot of voices in our world today, but we need to exercise discernment. You may remember one of the qualities of the righteous one, the Messiah, as described by Isaiah, is Can we, like the Lord, stop our ears to the plotting of violence? What voices should we listen to? For anyone that's going through any great trial, empty family, if you're going through something right now, you need to know what voice you should listen to. What most people have to say is not very helpful at all. In fact, like Job's comforters, more people talking to you are more wrong than they are right. There are six questions we should ask of anyone giving advice. Six questions to choose what we hear. Number one is what they say biblical. Can it be anchored in the word of God? Number two is what they say factual, or is it a theory, a fantasy, an opinion? Number three, is it absolutely necessary to be said Number four, is it teachable? Can I take this and apply it to my life? Number five, does it recognize the fallibility of human counsel? There are always people who say, no, you need to listen to me. And if you don't do what I I tell you to do, you're just blah, 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 blah. You get it. But, But could it be? Could it be? Even in the advice that I give, could it be that I am wrong? There is a fifth principle you have to get. Does it recognize the fallibility of human counsel? We are all fallible. We're humans. And then number six, and I love this one, is it being said and given in love? It may pass all the other five tests. Is it biblical? Is it, does it recognize human infallibility? But if it fails in this area, if it is not truth, spoken in love, then it's really not worth listening to. The art of selective hearing. We're not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. God gives us godly counsel. And so we shouldn't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. We listen to a more sure word of prophecy. We listen to the Holy Spirit, the spirit that's within us. Scripture says we have need of honored and revered teachers. We have need of spiritual fathers and mothers. And we also have the spirit of understanding in our heart. God will surround us with great people, pastors, leaders, elders, parents, friends. He speaks to us through his word, through the prophetic voice, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, an interpretation of tongues, impression. God speaks in so many ways, but you look for counsel only from those who walk in godly integrity, 
Appreciate those who care enough about you to speak truthfully in love to you. But understand that nothing they said is completely infallible. They're human just like we are, and they make mistakes. So give deference to those you recognize God's placed in your life to authenticate what God is saying to you. Practice the art of selective hearing. Is that good? Is that all right? Teresa, Kirk, Lynn, is that okay? And with that as a premise, here we go. Oh, come on, MD family. Are you ready? Here we go. Oh boy. If you're going to practice the art of selective hearing, you're going to have to know what to tune out. You're going to have to know which voices to ignore. And I'm going to give you six of them. Are you ready? Oh boy, you better have your steel toed boots on because here we go. Number one, ignore, tune out, screen out, filter out any advice from false friends. Yeah, let's talk about that one a little bit. Just screen out their advice. It's not what you need to hear. One of David's son, Amnon, had a certain friend. He was not a true friend, though. He advised Amnon to go against the law of God to fulfill his selfish desires. Amnon obeyed his friend's counsel, but to his own hurts, to the family of David's hurt. There are people, hear me carefully, MD family, there are people, they do not have your best interest at heart. And if you heed their counsel, you're tying the rope around your ankle that's attached on the other end to an anchor. Watch out for the advice of false friends. Here's the second one. Doomsayers are prophets of destruction. They are out there. They are out there and they're speaking louder than ever. Ignore them. And I, I, I don't doubt and we're seeing this world's going to become a wretched place in anticipation of the Lord's return. Scripture tells us to that, that some dozen or two dozen qualities of men and women as we see that day coming. But I refuse to listen to the voices who constantly prophesy doom and destruction. They're the pseudo-spiritual Rasputins in our midst. You know, if you leave your house today, something bad's going to happen. Ooh, they call you in the morning. I see a car wreck in your future. Avoid that person. There's just, ooh, watch out. There's something I sense about your friend. You better stay away. I had a dream about you the other night. It involved a snake, a witch. I saw vapor. I saw smoke. You get the picture. You get the picture. It seems to me that there's enough bad news in this world without having manufacturers of more. Don't you know this is the gospel? It's a good news. Practice selective hearing. Choose not to listen and hear to the voices of the doomsayers and prophets of destruction. In fact, even when your own heart is generating that, trust God more than the voices you hear inside of your own heart. Trust him. Lean on him, not the advice and counsel of doomsayers and false prophets. How are we doing there? We doing okay. We doing okay. Tricia, Zane, Kimberly, we doing okay. Here's the third voice. You need to tune out. Fearful voices. Yeah, fearful. Those voices that encourage you to withhold your best effort, to wait to wait for another day. 
that now's not the time. Tobiah was a nemesis of Nehemiah in reconstructing the wall of Jerusalem and in mocking the wall, Tobias, who was an Ammonite, said even a fox can leap over that wall. What did Nehemiah do? He turned to God and said, Lord, hear us, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. I like what Matthew Henry commentary says here. Many a good work has been looked upon with contempt by proud and haughty scorners. Those who disagree in almost everything will unite in persecution of those doing something. Nehemiah didn't answer these fools according to their folly, but he looked up to God by prayer. Ignore those fearful voices that try to instill worry and fear and doubt and anxiety. David was the only one on the battlefield of the Valley of Ella that day who knew how to shut his ears to the insults of that Philistine giant. He had so trained himself to hear the voice of God that he could silence the voice of all others. Shut out the fearful voices. Practice the art of selective hearing. Here's number four. Gossip. Oh boy. Solomon said that a whisperer will separate close friends. Some people will believe anything. Pierre de Marivaux said, some people will believe anything if it is whispered to them. Mm -hmm. An old British castle had these lines inscribed above the door. They say, what do they say? Let them say. Yes, they will always say. Here's a rule of thumb when someone's gossiping to you. If they gossip to you, they're gossiping about you because it's hard to be a tongue tamer. Yes, easier to tame a lion than a tongue. That's what James tells us. A young man went to Socrates one day to learn oratory. And while he was introduced to the great philosopher, he talked so incessantly, probably nervous, the chatter asked, uh, that uh, that chatter prompted Socrates to ask for double his fees. And the, the young man was just flabbergasted. He said, why are, you, why are you charging me double? And the philosopher said, because I've got to teach you two arts the art of holding your tongue and the other art, how to speak. The tongue is hard to tame. And we got a lot of untamed tongues out there. Oh, we can couch it in such spirituality. Oh, I tell you, you better have your, you better have your steel boots on. We can couch it with such spirituality. Like, oh, I'm so concerned. I'm so concerned. Let me look at uh, Brenda. I'm so concerned about Brenda and Penny. You need to help me pray about them. Mm. Boy, doesn't that sound spiritual? It's nothing but gossip. It is nothing but gossip. Choose what you hear and what you don't hear. Winston Churchill exemplified this this quality. Of course, he had great perseverance in the face of opposition. It was during his last year in office, the tide of public opinion had turned against him. He went to an official ceremony, several rows behind him. There were two gentlemen began to whisper and uh, Churchill overheard one of them say, that's Winston Churchill. And the other one said, they say he's getting senile. 
The other one said, well, they say he should step aside and leave the running of the nation to more dynamic and capable men. So when the this official ceremony was over, Churchill isolated the men that had been talking, turned to them and said, gentlemen, they also say that Winston Churchill is deaf. <laughs> in other words, in other words, I heard what you said, but I choose not to listen to you. Some people live for gossip. I'm telling you, they live for it. The latest, the vilest. They can't wait to get the latest rumor and jump out there and say, did you hear this? Did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? Did you hear this? Our ears should not be trash can. We, we should choose not to hear gossip. Let me give you the fifth and sixth voices to ignore. Unjust criticism, insincere flattery. Mm -hmm. If you just listen to the criticism people say to you and offer to you, then what you will do for God is pretty much nothing. They may be well-intentioned, but it's not the divine whisper, the still small voice that draws you deeper onward higher. We need to please the one who died for us, not the one who have opinions about what we should and shouldn't do. It is part of the enemy's plan to paralyze us. This is why I group these two together. Two things will paralyze you. Criticism, the fear that you're doing something wrong, and flattery, false praise. They're two sides of the same coin, actually. One gives you less worth than what you deserve. The other one gives you more worth than what you deserve. Criticism is what was envisioned by David. He said, I like a deaf man. I do not hear what they're saying. Don't listen for the criticism of others. Faithful are the wounds of the friend. The right people can say the right things in the right way to you. Given the right set of circumstances, though, frustration, fatigue, feelings of insecurity, you're going to start listening to those voices of criticism and you're going to doubt God and you're going to doubt your calling and you're going to doubt yourself. It's not the critic who counts, said Roosevelt. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who's actually in the arena. You're in the arena. Don't listen to criticism. And don't sip the Kool-Aid of flattery, or as politician Adelaide Stevenson once said, flattery is okay just as long as you don't inhale. So don't inhale flattery. Flattery is the art of telling another person exactly what he thinks of himself. It's not communication, it's manipulation. Now, there's nothing, I, I think, nothing more sincere and worthwhile than a true and genuine compliment. We need to train ourselves in the art of giving compliments. As Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on the strength of a good compliment. One genuine attaboy, girl, thumbs up can provide us the fuel we need to move forward. Yet, yet our speech should be salted with truth and kindness, but let our hearing be choosy when it comes to flattery. It's far easier to hear flattery than criticism, but too choose to tune out both of them. So here we are, six voices to ignore. And then let me wrap this up. Number one, advice from false friends. Number two, doomsayers or prophets of destruction. Number three, a fearful voice. Number four, gossip. Number five, unjust criticism. And number six, insincere flattery. Oh, I see somebody already put it up there. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. When it's all said and done, 
We're playing to an audience of one. There's violin strings behind me today. I want to tell you a story. A story told by Stephen Roy of a young violinist who lived in London many years ago. And although he was a superb musician, he was deathly afraid of large crowds, so intimidated that he avoided giving concerts. But after enduring a lot of pressure for his unwillingness to give concerts, he finally agreed. He finally agreed that he would perform. They booked the largest concert hall in London. The place was packed and the young violinist came to the stage all alone, sat alone on a stool, put his violin under his chin and played for a solid hour and a half. No music in front of him, no sheet music, no orchestra behind him, no breaks, just 90 minutes of absolutely beautiful violin music. It was after 10 minutes or so, the critics put their pads and pencils down and just listened. And like the rest, after the performance, the crowd rose to its feet and began to applaud wildly. And they wouldn't stop. But the young violinist did not acknowledge the applause. He just peered out into the audience as if he was looking for something, as if he was looking for someone. Finally, he seemed to, his gaze seemed to settle on what he was looking for and relief came over his face. And he began to, he stood and he acknowledged the cheers and bow, bowed his head. After the concert, the the people, the press came rushing up to the young violinist backstage and they said, you were wonderful, you were wonderful. But one question, why did it take you so long to acknowledge the applause of the audience? The young violinist took a deep breath and he answered their question. He said, you know how afraid I am to play in public. But this was something I knew that I needed to do and I needed to overcome. But tonight, just before I came out on the stage, I received word that my master teacher was to be in the audience. And throughout the concert, the entire time I played, I looked around and I looked for him, but I could never find him. And so after I finished playing, when I could concentrate on the audience, I started to look more intently. I was so eager to find my teacher that I couldn't even hear the applause and what was being said. I just had to know what the master thought of my music. And that was all that mattered. And finally, I isolated him. I found him high in the balcony. He was standing and applauding with a big smile on his face. And after seeing him, I could relax because I knew if the master was pleased with what I've done, then everything else is going to be okay. Hey, morning devotion family, Grace, Mary, Sheila, Sandra. Isn't that the way it is with us? One day we want to hear him say, well done. But each day I want there to be a smile on the Lord's face saying, you did well today. You said, you said, you did good on morning devotion today. You encouraged somebody today. I want to make the master happy. I want to hear him say, well done. Practice the fine art 
of selective hearing. God bless you. Go have a wonderful day, a wonderful Mother's Day weekend. May the Lord be with you, traveling mercies to anyone on the road. And let's just lift up the hurting and the suffering. Take a moment, leave a prayer request out to the side. Continue, continue to pray for Sister Liz Seckler and her family. And remember Redona Porter and um, the Larry Porter family. Just lift up people in prayer. Also continue to pray for the nation of India and the entire Indian subcontinent, all the nations there and this ordeal they're going through down in Colombia. Someone mentioned that yesterday. How true. We need the help of God. We need the presence of God. Let's tune out on a lot of things happening and tune in to that still small voice of God. God bless you. Go have a wonderful weekend in Jesus name. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.